0: We wanted to talk about the, the characteristics of them, so let me give you the characteristics, all right? Here they are, five of them real quick. Successful people have a clear vision of where they want to go. Charlie said that just a moment ago. They, they, they know where they want to go. People that are successful understand that that's what the picture is for my life. That's where I'm headed. And, and they're not concerned. They, they're almost, uh, you, would, you would think they were self-centered and rude, they're almost oblivious to everybody else around them. They've got a single mind on where they want to go. Um, they, all great leaders have great vision. They, they understand that's what keeps them from getting distracted. That keeps them on track. You know, when I read the Bible, I'll give you that quickly. Or Joseph, you remember? Joseph came out and told his brothers. He said, uh, he, and you know, Joseph was crazy. He, you know, you ever get excited about something, you got to tell it, you know? Uh, and, and Joseph got excited about this. He said, man... He said, guys, let me tell you this. His brothers didn't give him much respect. Guys, let me tell you, I just had this dream, and it's going to be a day one day when you guys are bowing down to me, coming to me, and having to get your needs met for your life. And they didn't like that. They said, baby brother, we got an idea. We're going to kill you. <laughs> and, and, uh, and sometimes when you tell your dream, you're going to have some dream slayers out there. Well, immediately, they throw him over in the pit. He winds up, Joseph 17, he told his dream out loud. If you've ever shared your dream with other people out loud, and they, and they began to slay it, you'll be reluctant to share it again. And so Joseph, Joseph in the pit, they sent him off into slavery. Joseph, 17 years old. Thirteen years later, Joseph is standing in a place after all these prison experiences and disappointments where his brothers are coming and they're fulfilling the dream. Joseph knew and saw the destiny. He had the picture early in advance. Now I want to just challenge you for a moment. If you've got the dream in your heart, don't, don't let somebody else or something kill that. Don't, don't throw that aside. The question I ask my kids all the time, this is the question they, they hate me for. I mean, they just get mad with me, but I'll say, what do you want? And they'll say, well, Dad, if you just do something. No, I'm not, I'm not going to tell you what to want in life. I want to know from you, what do you want? you got to know what you want. Otherwise, it's like staring at the refrigerator of life. You know, you're just kind of looking in there. We don't know what we want, but we think somehow to come out and get us. And, and you've got to say, this is what I want. The older you get sometimes, you know, the more fearful we are because of security. You know, that some people are afraid to get up and leave their jobs. I was with a guy the other night. He flew me up to Atlanta and back I had a great experience with him. His name was Mike, and Mike was a winner. Now, I've always had this ability. I don't know how. It's just a knack. It's just a gift. Uh, but I can spot a winner. I, I just, that, that's been the knack. I mean, I don't know what that is. It's putting the right people in the right places, but I can spot within a second who, how far people are going. And I, I almost hate that because I tell you, you know, that, 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 uh, I wish that gift would shut down at times. The other night I got in this helicopter. A guy flew down here and picked me up, got in the helicopter with him, and about two minutes of being in, in, in the helicopter, I said, this guy has got it. He ain't going to tell you about it. He will never tell you. You could just see it. I said, but this guy's got it. I guarantee this guy's got a world of depth, a world of experience, and he's been on top of the world before in his life. So I began to ask him. I said, tell me about yourself. Oh, I, I enjoy flying. Said, no, 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 no. I, I know better than that. I can see in you there's a history here. A few minutes, he starts telling me his history. He would at one time been a medical doctor with the University of Hawaii, been a medical doctor, been top of his field, married a Dallas Cowboy cheerleader. And he's letting this out. Reluctant. He's not bragging to let it all out. His wife has a, they have a three-year-old son. His wife and his son are driving to a a supermarket one day, and a drunk driver crosses the road, kills both of them. His life is over. He goes to the hospital being a medical doctor. He knows that that they're dead. He he walks in the room, and suddenly his friends are standing around there crying, and and he knows it's over. And for him, he never pictured his life being like that. His life changed. He gave up his practice. Now, he was a smart guy that had been on top of his world here, gave it all up, walked away. And goes now for several years just kind of trying to figure out where he's going to go with his life, what he's going to do. And then he, he knew he had a heart of compassion, so he bought a helicopter. He learned how to fly it. Then he bought a couple more. Then he opened up a company, and he began to charter these, these helicopters out. He was the first guy on the scene when Katrina hit. He said, the moment Katrina hit, he said, I don't know what it was. I woke up that morning. I said, there are going to be people on top of buildings that need help. He helped over 100 people was written up about it, didn't want to take any credit for it, but went over and pulled one after another out of Katrina during that time that would have died. He's spending his life that way. I'm enjoying the time with this guy because I'm seeing here's a guy who's kind of sensed a new purpose, a new destiny, and he said, you know, early in my life, I felt that I was going to be helping to save lives, and I didn't know how, and after I lost my wife, I thought it was all over. When all of those things happened, I thought it was over. He said, as I'm pulling people out of Katrina out there, He said, all these years went by, and the dream I had in my heart, I'm now being able to realize. I want to tell you, if you've got dreams in your heart right now, you may have all kind of things that close those doors. Don't let it stop. Don't quit. Don't be afraid to change careers in the middle of the stream. Be willing to say, if that dream's there, it's there, and it's my dream, I get to do something about it. And I encourage you, make that happen for yourself. And so that's the, yeah. In fact, I hear sometimes people say to me, well, uh, well, Brother Bill, can you give me a vision for my church? You know, pastors will do that. Give me a vision for my church. I can't give you a vision for your church. That's got to be your baby. You know, you can't give somebody else the vision. Now, I can get people to buy in on my vision, but the, if they've got their own, they've got to hold on to it, and they'll work for theirs. Jim Brown was a great NFL ball player. Jim Brown got knocked down. If you read his history, he's one of the best running backs in the world. Got knocked down every two feet, but he scored and wound up being one of the greatest guys in NFL history. They asked him a question. They said, Jim, you got knocked down. You could have quit. He said, you know why? I never lost sight of the goal line. You got to never lose sight of the goal line. Keep the goal in front of you. It may take you longer to reach it than it did others, but don't stop heading for the goal line. Second thing I'll tell you about, uh, about people like this. Successful people, we said, number one, they have a clear vision. Number two, they're committed to integrity. Now, here's the, here's the part where the infrastructure will break or, uh, or, or it will withstand. And this is a statement I made years ago. You can get to the top without integrity. In fact, you can get there faster without it. You got that? Uh, if, if you want to just get to the top, integrity will get in your way. So you can get there faster without it, but you can't stay there without it. And so it all determines, do I want to get there or stay there? And if you want to stay there, you got to have it. USA Today said this, 48% of all Americans <laughs> admit to doing illegal or unethical things at work. They say they cut, on, cut corners on quality control. They cover up incidents. They abuse or lie about sick days. I mean, how many people have you ever known call in, I'm sick, <laughs> I'm sick, I'm sick, they hang up the phone? <laughs> soon as they hang up the phone, you see them, they're buying suntan lotion, you know. They're, they're headed to the beach. Uh, and, and they lie about it. And, and, uh, and, and 48% of all Americans say they lie to their customers to make the sale. I mean, they literally lie to them. They say, well, if I can make the sale, sure we'll do that. Sure we'll do, and, and And I'm telling you, this integrity issue has got to be the place where we say, I am going to hold on to it no matter what. I'm not going to sell it. not going to bend the rules. not going to cut the corners. Heard this a while back, this joke about a, a car dealer was trying to woo this uh, Senator over. So he said, look, Senator, he said, uh, if you'll give us all of this rights to this land, uh, I'll give you a brand new Corvette, how about that? And, and the Senator got upset about it. He said, I, I, can't, uh, I can't give you that. He said, there's no way I can, uh, I can do that. He said, you offend my sense of uh, dignity. He said, I'm an honest man. You can't give me a brand new Corvette for free and expect me to give you that deal. I'm a, I'm a senator. He said, okay. He said, how about this? How about if I, uh, if I give it to you and uh, I charge you $10 for it? Okay, I just charge you $10. Can we do that? He said, well, in that case, I'll take a gold one and a blue one. <laughs> sometimes sometimes we sell out, you know. Sometimes we want it so bad we'll take it. I you know, heard about the guy one time, the doctor told him to quit smoking. He said, now you're going to have to quit smoking. If you don't quit smoking, I'm going to cut your leg off. He said, you got it. you're going to lose your leg. I'm going to cut your leg off. He stood there for a few minutes, kept looking, and he said, okay, above the knee or below it? You know? <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes we'll compromise with integrity or things like that. When we do, all we're doing is hurting ourselves. So watch the integrity issue. What was it? Will Rogers said this. He said, you ought to live with such integrity, you wouldn't be afraid to sell your parakeet to the town gossip. You Think about that. Uh, and so integrity, here's what integrity is like. You know your, uh, your, your computer system? Integrity is the firewall of your life. Okay, that, that's what it, it protects. It You know, when that stuff comes up, Norton McAfee, whatever. Your integrity is just like that. It's the thing that keeps the uh, that all the all the things from destroying you. Out. Third thing I tell you is this about successful people, and this is one I learned. I learned this one by observation. I don't think anybody ever taught me this one. Over the years, I would meet people that were that were winners. I mean, just genuine winners. And I would try to pick up what their differences is and all that are. And I don't know if you study people, you know, if you, if you look at why do they do what they do, how do they do what they do, I would do that with people. Here's what I learned about successful people. And, and this one is one that, that, that I just know for me, it, it turned out to be the top on my list. Successful people act decisively. They're not like a squirrel in the middle of the road, you know, should we, should we not? They don't analyze it till they're paralyzed. They don't, they don't think about it or, uh, so long that they miss the timing. They don't wait until everybody's on board. Successful people have the innate ability to act decisively. And, and you'll almost be offended with them because you think they didn't think about it long enough. They go, yes or no, yes or no. And, and, that, and they'll, they'll almost frustrate you with that because you think, man, they just made the right decision almost every time. But they've done it so many times. They're not like a slow computer. You know, they don't have to go through all this process. They've done it so many times they can get from here to there that quick. And and when they do, there's about three or four guys I've got in my life that I'll call them sometimes when I'm making a big decision. And and I love it because I will have thought about it for a week. Man, I weighed the pros and the cons, all this stuff. And I call them, and almost everyone of them will say the same thing, but they said that quick. And so, Bill, here's what you know. Why not do so and so? Why not and. And I mean, I was with a group of leaders out in Dallas, Texas. They were telling us some stuff that was the cutting-edge stuff for churches. And all these guys were the, were the guys that analyzed it all. And they had me almost getting off of a vision I was on. So I called two of these friends and said, would well, you all meet me for a minute? Sit down with them and shared it with them. And in one minute, they got me right back on track with what my original vision was. But they looked at all the other stuff and could see right to the bottom line again. Successful people always know how to act decisively. They, they make the decisions so fast. Now... Here's, here's what I know about them. They don't make knee-jerk decisions. They're not, um, they are not you know, b- making impulsive calls. Uh, they don't overreact. They don't let stress build up, and all of a sudden they do something that just pulls the trigger. Um, what successful people do is they literally say, I know how to see underneath what the target is. and And this is a yes or no. This is a how do I get that done. And they act quickly, and they know quickly. Oprah Winfrey said it years ago. She said... 99% of your first impression is the right impression. And we spend the most of our time trying to override that with something else, you know. I guarantee, yes, Keith, is any, you probably know the credit risk. I mean, he's president of a bank. You probably know when they come in the door, whether, whether that's a good loan or not. I mean, you know. And, it, and the problem is they get telling you these stories, you know. Oh, it's such terrible. And, and after they tell you the story, then they get your emotions. After they get your emotions, you start saying, well, I'll see if I make a way to happen. And then about three months later, your emotions are really up because you have to go collect a bad debt, you know, and, and, and that's what happens. Uh, that, that's why I tell you, you've got to learn to be willing to make sure that you do the right with the decisions. Here's, uh, here's what I tell you to do with most decisions. Just follow the facts. Sounds cold, but follow the facts. The facts won't ever lie. Now, let me, let me help you here. Decisions are really easy. They're easy. They're not hard. The, the problem is is we put our emotions in them and they become hard. We put our emotions in them and they're more difficult. So you've got to decide, am I going to follow these facts all the way down the line? Fourth thing is, successful people know their strengths. I've never met a successful person that didn't know what they were good at and wasn't afraid to admit I'm terrible at this. I asked a guy I was interviewing the other day, I said, tell me what you're bad at. And he said, well, I'm not really bad at anything. I'm pretty good at so-and-so. And, I, and you know, I hated it. I thought, well, okay, there goes that one. Oh, he was good till then. Tell me what you're bad at. Tell me what you just, you know, I'm horrible at this. I'm, I'm not good with a lot of the organization and details of stuff. I'm terrible at that. I'm horrible. I hire people around me. They do all that kind of stuff. I'm there for one reason. I'm there to provide the fun, okay? Um, when, when my family and I get, gets ready to go on vacation, I said, okay, look, y'all can have it organized to the T. They, they put spare tires in the car. You know, they got maps in there. They got all, I don't need that stuff. I will go from here to New York with not a dime in my pocket and somehow live. I could make it on Survivor. I mean, that's not a problem. I could live on Survivor. I've been doing it all my life. But I tell my family, I say, well, you, you can organize it to the T. I mean, you can have it all lined out. We're going to meet here and do this. You can do all that you want. You won't have any fun. You won't have any fun until I go. Because when I go, I'm going to mess up your plans. We're going we're gonna to get in there, and where you wanted to go, we're not going to go, or we're going to find something fun. We're going to turn this thing around. But I know what I'm good at, and I know what I'm bad at. And I'm not good in certain areas, so why do some things that you're not good at? I remember mean, when we first got married, I, I was going to be a carpenter. I went out and bought some wood. I wasn't gonna buy, a guy came out and was going to build me a doghouse. It cost, cost me $400. said, not going to pay me $400 to build a doghouse. I built it myself. I bought wood, bought lumber, bought nails, built me a little doghouse. That thing was so horrible. That they were getting tours of the neighborhood. Honest truth, get tours of the neighborhood, come sit down and see that thing we call the doghouse, and my dog would not go in it. <laughs> Nobody, would. it was horrible. I'm not good. I can't do construction. I I tried to. I've tried to do things in my life. I can't do. I'm not good at changing the oil of my car. Now maybe you're good at it. I'm not. Somehow I always get the wrong size pan. You know, I I, I let it out and and I got a pan under there and it's all over the driveway. And it's everywhere. I, there's things that I'm not good at, so you got to figure out what am I not good at, and what am I good at. If you can figure out those things, you'll figure out success a lot quicker. You don't have to be everything; just do the things you do best. And one of the reasons I chose the uh, the, uh, um, the the trainer over here at the gym that was uh, you know like I did because this guy was a runner. This guy looked slim. I said, man, I you know line me up with that guy because you'll look like a trainer, okay? And so think about that, because you're going to train kind of the way they train. And so I needed it first. I said, man, I need to slim down some of this stuff, because it was not looking so well. Uh, and so you got to find in everything you're doing. If you eat the same thing everybody around you is eating, guess what you're going to look like? You're going to look like them. If you do the same things they're doing. You ever notice how people work together long enough to start looking alike? It's going to make a lot of you want to quit your job. But, uh, <laughs> but successful people quickly figure out their strength. They, they are, they're not afraid to admit their weaknesses. And they find the one thing they do, and they do it well. Just one thing. And I love this verse. It's a verse in the Bible. Paul said this. And, and, and I'll quote it for you. The Apostle Paul was this great Christian that, that knew what he wanted in life. And, and think about this. He said, this one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind, pressing forth what lies ahead, I reach forth to the prize that lies ahead. And that word, that I, reach, that word that I press ahead is, a, is an athletic term. It's the term of a muscle that's, that's, uh, that's tauted, that's reaching out. Uh, it's a picture, I have a friend who's got a classic shot of Sugar Ray Leonard when he was hitting Tommy Hearns. And you've got the picture of Sugar Ray's arms out there, and every, you can see it in his face, you can see it about everything in him is focused in that one moment. It's not, he's not worried about lights or crowds and events. Everything is right there. That's exactly what that means. Paul was saying, I want you to focus on the one thing. I want you to figure out real clear, what is the one thing that I'm going to do? and I'm going to do it with all my heart. Now, if you're a salesperson, man, I'm going to sell. I can't take care of the managing and all this. I'm going to sell and sell and sell, and everybody needs what I've got. And if you're in, in management, I'm going to manage. I mean, I don't care if everything else falls apart. I'm going to manage. If you find the one area that you say, this is what I do, and I'm going to do nothing but that one area with everything I've got, you'll find success. Let me give you the last one. Successful people think differently than unsuccessful people. I think unsuccessful people think. I just think they think differently. Here's how I think they think. I think they think big picture. They see the bigger end of it, where you're going to be. I I was doing something on a retirement thing a while back, and and the guy said, well, this is what you do. And I said, we got to put in inflation. Oh, yeah, I mean, if I if I'm right here, I'm thinking about inflation and what's going to happen down the road. So, so we we need to be thinking a little bit differently, thinking a little bit bigger. Successful people think optionally. You know, the worst position in the world to be in is without options. You think about that. I, I have a friend, sad thing, years ago, he came <coughs> by our house, killed himself. Came by our house, going through a difficulty, and uh, and and actually didn't come to me, came to came to my wife's house before we were married. And, uh, and her stepfather, he had given, her a gun, given him a gun and said, look, I don't trust myself at this time. And he gave this gun to him and said, I, I just don't trust myself. So would you hold this for me? And he came back a couple of days later and said, I'm okay. Can I have my gun back? And they gave me a gun back. They found him two days later out in the woods dead, killed himself. And I never, I never could get over the fact. That I thought, you know, his problem was he felt he had no options in life. Whenever you feel that you don't have options, you're boxed in. You need to always have options. You need to be, be willing to say, man, this ain't the only, you know, some of you, if, you, if your job holds you that way, you got to stop and say, man, I, I was looking for a job for I found on this one, you know? I mean, I, I'm not going to let that do it. Uh, if a person comes into your life and they meet every, uh, every bit of your self-esteem and your total worth, that's a dangerous place to be because they can take that away too. You got to be in a place where you say, I, I'm not sure that maybe I would have to suffer some or I'd have some struggles, but I'm never going to put myself in a place where I don't have options. And so successful people always think options. They think, I'm not going to let every egg in the basket be put right here. I, there's always a way, and, and it's not always the same way. There's different ways you can get things done. Uh, successful people also think, when they think about options, quitting is not an option. They don't even think about quitting. They just think, I, you know, I, I learned how I failed. I learned that doesn't work, but I'm going to keep trying and keep trying and keep trying and keep trying. Till I find a way to get it done. They just don't quit. Uh, and successful people, on top of that, I think they do things that unsuccessful people are unwilling to do. We mentioned a minute ago about persistence and hard work. Uh, unsuccessful people don't don't they're not willing to do some of the things that the successful people are willing to do. They're, they're willing to say, I'll, I'll go a little bit further than that. And then the last one I'll give you is this. I think they understand, I, I couldn't leave it without having to come to the I think successful people understand the attitude issue better than anybody else. When I talked to my friend Mike the other day and he was flying back, uh, we're going to build a better relationship with each other. I said, Do you think your world was over when, when, uh, when your wife died and your child died? He said, Bill, I, I'll tell you something. He said, The only thing that got me through was, he said, I went through a little while of that. I gave my life to God and I went through a little while of that where it was very, very difficult. My life was, was totally in a spiral. He said, But then I began to learn. One day, he said, I looked in the mirror and said, You know something? My attitude is mine. He said, how I choose to deal with this is all mine. I can't blame this on anybody else. I can't go back and fix the past, but I can fix my attitude. And he said, so I had to stop being so bitter. He said, I began to run into other people. And he said, you know, as bad as my story was, he said, bad as that was, he said, I began to run into other people, that those other people, he said, also had a story. And he said, and I began to look at things a little different, but it was my own attitude you know, right here in front of me, Mike Stevens and, and uh, Mike Mike's son committed suicide uh, at, at the prime of his life. Young guy. Man, who would, have, who would have thought? I was with Mike through that process, and he'll be the first one to tell you, man, that that's probably the most painful thing. You wouldn't wish that on your worst enemy, but there came a day that Mike had to say, I, I got to be able to pick up and go from this. He's got one of the best attitudes. If you run into him, you never know those things in his past. You wouldn't. You wouldn't know because he doesn't wear that on his on his uh, out front all the time. There're probably times that the grief still comes back and floods him, but he's been able to say, "I got to control my attitude if I'm going to make it through this day and get to where I want to be," and so it's all about that one thing.